In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents. Madam Speaker, Madam Vice President. You want to hang out with us? You get your vaccine. Vaccine, vaccine. And so I went to Human Resources. There are some things I just can't tell you uh, on air. The Betches Sup Podcast. A woman's problem, if you will. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Better Sub Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Apologies, I have a new Invisalign in today, and it hurts too much to take out to record, so I'm going to be a little lispy today. <laughs> oh, wow. That is, that's exciting. It is. I have, um, this one, they never hurt so bad that, like, I actually don't want to take it out to, like, eat and do the podcast, but this one's rough. This one's, it hurts to fix your teeth. Oh, for sure. Not yes. fun. Not fun. Yes. But I'm almost done and it works and it has been worth it. But I was just talking to Sammy before today's show about, and I mentioned this to Caitlin, that I'm feeling a little low lately. I'm feeling a little hopeless with the pandemic and these Republicans and how we can't all agree on facts and climate change and all of it. That uh, I think that I, I, I'm not good at like pursuing my own joy. I just wait for things around me to become good and happy. And uh, in case there are others like me who need to change that, what's been bringing uh, you guys some joy lately? What have you been doing like just purely out of joy? Caitlin, what have you been doing? Oh, man. Well, I... <laughs> reading Civil War tomes? <laughs> I mean, besides reading Civil War tomes, I have... I I left my previous full-time job and now I'm making writing my full-time job. Uh, That's joyful. Texting, commentating. I have to say it's the most, like, it, it's just like so uh, incredibly fun. And Really? I, yeah. I. It's like, yes, it is a job. And I remind yeah. myself that all the time because I'm just like, oh, I want to, to I have thoughts about this thing. And that's like, wait, that's yeah. my job now. And it's is uh, pursuing what I really want to do is probably one of the most enriching experiences that I've had. We'll see how it goes after I because <laughs> now I'm heading into savings territory. We'll mm-hmm. see what, what happens, how I feel after I start spending well, for, money. I'm glad we touched on this because for listeners to the podcast, how can they support you? What type of writing are you looking to get hired to do? Is it just writing? Or are you doing like political consulting? Um, what are you, what are you looking to get paid to do? Uh, well, the big way to support me would be the Patreon. Um, I basically have like, like I do like uh, specific, specific writing for each tier once a month. That's just like out of my thoughts options to kind of um, get more like pitch ideas to me and get thoughts that way. Cool. Um, I'm still doing, I'm, I just started a column with Dame Magazine. So that's going to start next month and I'll be writing monthly for them. And I, I, I've got this big awesome. topics I can do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm going to be like delving into a lot more stuff um, because now I have time. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
And as a Patreon subscriber, I can assure you it's worth it. So it's definitely worth definitely it. Definitely hit that Patreon. Yeah. And remember that Patreon and like stuff like that. It's always like, even if I, I hope that you read, I, I subscribe to, I don't always read, <laughs> but it's just a good way to like support people who give you free content all the time. Like throw them a couple bucks every month, even if you might not read the newsletter or whatever they're putting out. Like, trust me, Caitlin's, you probably will, but it's worth checking out just to support people making stuff uh, for free. Sammy, are you, what are you doing for fun lately? I'm walking um, through Central Park to go to dinner. That's very fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. To sit outside, to see people, to, um, you know, yeah, walking yeah. outside for some num- amount of time. Are you sad that you're moving? Um, it's like a little yeah. bit just like annoying, but yeah. honestly, like I don't mind. I like a new environment. I do feel that this hope this hotel, this um <laughs> this apartment has has um pandemic vibes and pandemic energy. And I would like to not be in that anymore so um yeah I'm, I'm doing okay yeah I'm like yeah yeah I've been like looking forward to going back into the office just because it's like something to people say having things to look forward to is like what keeps you from getting depressed but I think that can also mean like literally something that I have to do in the in the forward times <laughs> like even having yeah. to go to the office a couple times a week or whatever I end up doing I cannot wait just to have just to see people not like get dysphoric because I realized I haven't talked for two days. <laughs> well, good I'm thing so... you host a podcast. I do. Because, I do. Uh, yeah. You're forced <laughs> to talk. I know. I, I take it for granted. I agree with you, Caitlin. It is like, I take it for granted, but like on days when something really cool and exciting happens, it is very cool that I get to like talk to people I think are interesting and funny about it every single day. That is very cool and very rare. Right. Yeah. That's like kind of the thing with work. It's like annoying, but it can be good occasionally. Yeah. That just pays for me to have people to talk to every day about right. my feelings. <laughs> right. right. Like exactly. Pursuing what you want, like even in small ways, like um, I've recently, uh, my partner and I have gone to museums a bunch recently. We went to the American Natural History Museum this past weekend. And a few weeks ago, we went to the Met together and because everything's starting to open up again. And it's just like getting to like to just go out and just like go and have fun and like look at beautiful yeah. art and, and history and culture. Like this is like why you, for me, it's why I love New York City. Um, and it's just like a great way for us to spend time together. And it's just so much fun to just have those few hours where all you're doing is what you want to do. And if you have a New York City license um, or a New York City ID, you can get into most of the major cultural institutions for free. You do, it's all in the city charter. So uh, any chartered museum that's at uh, American Natural History Museum, that's the like Botanic Gardens, um, they're technically supposed to let you in for free if you have a New York ID. So check that out or go to Culture Pass, um, which again, if you have a New York City library, a New York library card, a Brooklyn library card, um, or an ID NYC or any New York ID, you can get a culture pass and it will let you like get free passes into big cultural sites. So for the that sounds awesome. Yeah, that's yes. great. I feel like now I have my uh, weekend plan. I think we need to pursue some fun. Like we I do. really think like safe COVID safe fun, yes. obviously, but like we definitely need 
to just be like pursuing the fun actively. I think like you have to like actively plan out what you're going to do week to week to bring a little bit of joy and contentment because it's not going to just happen out there in the world for us anytime soon. And you're not just going to make the plan like in the spontaneous moment because you're going to be too tired because you're because you just thought about this shit all day. So I just realized why I never do anything because I don't make plans because I'm like, oh, I'll be too tired. But like, I'm not you're right. I'm never spontaneously going to like want to go to a museum. Yeah, no, you must plan in advance and then you have to drop out if you don't. Okay, I'll do I'll do all of those because I'm all the way down. I'm like, do I just have a kid now? Is that what I do? Oh, my just God. Make that's a new not going to be fun. <laughs> that's not going to be fun. It's not going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, no, but also the key to the fun is like really ignoring the other shit while you're having fun and then going back to the other shit when you are not. That is key. Otherwise, you're just wasting your, your fun time. For totally, sure. Totally. Totally. Spiral later. <laughs> Benefit of both Met and the Natural History Museum is that they're off of Central Park. So yes. You can like walk through the park or you could go get like some brunch, some dinner, whatever you want, and then <laughs> wander into the park to get to your next destination. Beautiful. And all the museums in DC are free, mostly. All the Smithsonian ones you just walk all in. All the Smithsonians. If Wait, you, what if these people are, don't live in a metropolitan area? Though? They're going to travel to them. We're giving them travel ideas. <laughs> okay, but only if they're not from a COVID hotspot. Yes, yes. So cold, uh, like people who do virtual culture tours and whatnot, like, you know, be open to the experience. But yeah, you know, like, Get outside. <laughs> Get outside. Exactly. I mean, yeah. the nicest way, not in like the touch grass way. Yes. <laughs> we all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier hair and skin. Yes. But beyond that, too, since I started using pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great. It looks fancy on the shelf. And I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. 
Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are for dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Normally, we do stay in New York City on this podcast. I, in fact, some of you think we do it too much and you let us know. So I thought today we'd turn it around for you and uh, and roast New York City a little bit because I don't know what the actual fuck is going on that so many people in this town, in this country, but in this town, in this state are not getting vaccinated yet. So about this is going to sound good. About 70 percent of adults in New York City, um, and that's the five boroughs, have received a single shot, uh, but only about 60 percent are fully vaxxed. Where it gets especially infuriating is that yesterday, Mayor de Blasio announced that city employees would be required to get vaccinated or tested weekly by September. And I believe moments ago, Cuomo said the same thing for state employees. And Biden's about to say the same for federal. Right, right. I heard everybody in the White House is masked again, masks are back. Fewer than half of all employees at public safety agencies that interact with people haven't gotten even one dose. At some departments, I had to like, check multiple times. It's so crazy. At the Department of Corrections in New York City, 33% of the workers are vaccinated. I thought you had to get vaccinated to work in the prison. I guess I was wrong. Or the jails. The Housing Authority, 38%. Those people are also interfacing with people constantly. The Department of Sanitation is 40% vaccination rate and the Department of Homeless Services, the police department and the EMS are all under 50. They're at 47 percent. I am really struggling to understand why this is like I genuinely don't know why this is. And I want to be compassionate to the, I guess, 70, 67 percent of corrections workers that aren't getting vaccinated. But um, I'm having some trouble theories for what's going on here. I mean, well, Department of Corrections, I would say it's probably uh, a political thing more than um, because the other thing is, is that a lot of people have a lot of their like identities wrapped up in (laughs) in politics. (laughs) Who could imagine? Um, Who who would do that? Especially corrections, which I mean, COVID was brutal, has been, continues to be brutal in our carceral system. Um, And you'd think that that would be an incentive for employees to to get that. But at the same time, ideologically, they tend to be more conservative. And because a certain someone made it, it made the pandemic a political issue where there are sides and if you agree with their side, you don't wear a mask and you don't believe in COVID and your plan is to keep Biden from a win. I guess you from living is a win. So you need to keep Biden from having that. And you'll die for it. 
you know, I kept, I kept being surprised for a while. But then again, the Civil War tomes, they teach you a lot about what people think they're willing to die for. Right. What they're willing to kill for. And a lot of people are like, well, my great grandpappy didn't own slaves. And the same way that you would say, well, why would you do this? You are going to die because of it. They really owning the libs is the newest iteration of hating Yankees. Okay, it's just yeah. they just hate other people more than they love themselves. It, there's no other way to explain it. Actually, that's a very good way to explain it. That's actually the most cogent, succinct explanation for why that helped me. <laughs> totally, that was really the yeah. You what it. I was saying to Sammy, and I said this yesterday, and and maybe this is like the wrong framing, but like I've been thinking about like, we're always tossing out statistics about how like 60 to 70% of people agree with feminism, agree that voting is good, agree that immigration is good, agree on all of these things that to me, suggests that they're a person with like an ethical point of view. And then I just d- cannot wrap my mind around what, where the rest of this hesitancy is coming from, unless it is largely people who, when you look at, um, So about half of the people that are not vaccinated, I think, Sammy, you said this the other day, say that they will and they are waiting for full approval. And and that group, I believe, is most of like the black and Latino holdouts who just want to wait for full approval. And then the rest is the white Republican men who are like, I'm not interested. I'm never getting it because I love Trump. Yeah, I mean, I think there's also a huge difference when you poll for an opinion like, yeah, universal healthcare sounds good. Like, go, like background checks sound great, but this is like counting an action. And it's like a lot different. I think when people are like, oh, I'm going to go out of my way to get this shot. Like, I know they, I know the Biden administration has done a good job of like bringing it closer to people, but like state employees mm-hmm. should be getting it at their workplace. Like, why would you not have that be the case and then you have like a social pressure thing maybe um yeah like a convenience factor or whatever it is but yeah i also think we don't necessarily maybe we underestimate how dumb people are like people are really dumb and really fucking unaware and they don't like they're so disengaged that it's all just like whatever background to them like nothing actually means what it means to that to most people yeah i mean yeah i think that there's a certain piece of like just disengagement um some people say that there's still issues with access which i mean if you're talking about people who have child care issues people who like it's about fitting it in uh who don't get sick leave so like if you need to take a day or two off to deal with the because i know i needed yeah a, i forgot about a that day part. Off after i got my second shot like that one knocked me i and i'm a i'm a young person who doesn't have any um existing illnesses and i'm relatively able-bodied and blah blah, blah. like i'm doing pretty well and that one knocked me flat on my ass for like a solid day Mm -hmm. where I was not feeling great and I couldn't like work in those conditions let alone do manual labor Mm -hmm. and a lot of people who do that kind of stuff don't have the day off to do that at the same time there's a certain amount of like uh, again it just comes down to like there are people who want full approval there are people who are waiting for it to be official in this way 
that it's never really going to be. And there's a, a lack of understanding of how vaccines function. There's a lack of understanding, like all of it comes down to like, there's a lot of critical thinking that hasn't been done in our society for a lot of people from the very beginning. And now to try to impose it in adulthood is not gonna go well because <laughs> they don't have the pieces together to understand like why it's a good idea. It's so interesting you say that they can't learn in adulthood because I firmly believe that like many, I don't want to give a number, but many people in the society are just overgrown children running around like in adult Absolutely. bodies. And they're acting out their bullshit Yes. via whatever, you know, we're all probably acting out our bullshit, but like some are spreading a pandemic. But we're not like, these people are literally saying, eh, I don't want to. And they have no other, they just don't want to. They it's just don't want to. It's almost like when we were teenagers and we were told by adults to do something and we were like, no, I don't, I don't want to yeah. do that. Oh, hundred percent. It, it it's defiance. We didn't have any logical reason. We just didn't want to submit to authority. We were like, if if they say it's supposed to be done this way, then maybe they're wrong. Maybe we know better. Maybe, you know, they've been doing it wrong for centuries. And only I, as a 17-year-old, I'm going to figure yes. out the new and best way of doing this thing. Yes, and, exactly. And it's right. like this kind of arrogance that comes through. And <laughs> normally, you'd hope people grow out of that. Um, but maybe, as Sammy said, no one's done that in our society for a while. And the people who should have are often not don't face any consequences for not doing the thing they were supposed to. And instead, you know, we socialize risk and we we uh, privatize reward. And you do that often enough. People get the message that it's not their problem, you know, if they're not vaccinated and then. You know, they're asking, can I get a shot while they're on a respirator? And that's the biggest problem is like we can't afford the ICU beds. We can't afford the, the cost on our healthcare system. We can't afford. I feel terrible for healthcare workers who are watching people come in still unvaccinated, need to be ventilated, all of this other stuff. And now there's no excuse. Like before it was helpless. Like, OK, mm -hmm. this was the nature mm -hmm. of it. But you've heard from around the country Healthcare professionals say this feels worse because there's a, there's no reason for it to happen anymore. Before it was out of our control and we understood we were reacting to a, a, a real epidemic that couldn't be stopped. Now it can be stopped and people are choosing to let it happen. And that is, mm -hmm. that's yeah. a choice. That's and a choice. Um, Dr. Kathuri was telling us yesterday that it's like when there were these surges before, we were still a lot of us in a sort of lockdown. So there weren't as many people on the roads driving. There weren't as many people doing the summer activities where you can get hurt, breaking bones, just doing things that can lead to accidents. So now that is happening on top of these crazy surges and people are, I feel like this has been clarifying. I feel like it's like a confluence of factors. Like if you can't get the day off and you're going to lose pay and you're going to feel like shit and you have to care for your kids, um, I can see how convenience would be a pretty powerful reason, which is just makes the case. It's like, bring it to work and everybody should have a free day off. Like universal health care and sick leave. Like this, yeah. we should have been rethinking, like as we've been oh, going right. through this, we should have been like, Okay, so this is the thing that's keeping us from from that. It's like we don't have a universal healthcare system. People are worried they're going to have to pay. People are worried that it's going to. People are so worried they're going to get deported. And they're I, of course, they are. They're worried. They're worried that their work papers aren't aren't set up. They're worried that they work for cash. They're worried. I mean, 
everything that you go down, the more economically marginalized you are, the bigger a risk it is to take a day to go take care of a shot when it might cost you two or three days, depending on your immune system and its response. Mm-hmm. And people who upper class can afford that, but people who don't have control over their schedules and work for, for cash, they can't afford a day off. Right. I also think there's this other component where like we used to have like social pressure to do kind of like the right thing. Now we have in the place of that disinformation and misinformation and to kind of one thing that maybe could could have been prevented or could still be improved is that like the communications from like anyone who even means well, like they're not good. Like all of it is so was just botched from the beginning in ways that you can't then like convince people. Like there's no Mm -hmm. way to get the message across. Like if you botched it the first time and like, so you have disinformation, like purposeful. And then you have like the people who are trying to spread the good information who are like not good at it. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Lots of bad factors being lifted back in April when we, everybody who was like, wait a second, what, even as a vaccinated person, I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not taking my mask off. Like it's one thing to do it outside in a non-crowded space, like walking down the street. It's totally different when you're talking about lots of people together. It's even more different. We're talking about lots of people indoors together. Why would you lift mask mandates if you're vaccinated? Now we have to bring them back. And I'm like, well, we if we could just have elapsed that entire four months, it's possible that right now we would be there would be no Delta variant. We would be much further along on vaccinations and we wouldn't have this problem right now where children are at risk. Yeah. Well, let me like let me be the CDC's PR woman. What if like like they did not know vaccination was going to be this bad, like they thought it was going to get to a place or Delta. So is there a case to me that they're like, well, we gave you a chance. And that like had you all gotten vaccinated and had Delta not gotten so bad, you could have still been maskless, although it's, it's like our system for it. And, and look, any they, they we all experience the same country. Just to point out that January 6th, if you look at that and you're like, I think an honor system on this mask thing is going to work. I think if we just ask people politely to only stop wearing masks if they're vaccinated, we'll, we'll, it will all work out. What in the world? Have you lived in America? Where did this idea come from? Who, where was it developed in like in isolation with all those people just like hanging out in that one room and not allowed to interact with other humans? Because there's nothing about the last year and a half that lets you think, wow, this is a really good idea. I think, People are going to be really specific about it. They're going to listen to us in close detail and they'll only play by these rules if they really believe in them. That's, uh, we've got it, you guys. Perfect idea. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I can't give them credit for that because the obviousness of the bad faith that was going to be met with was so high. The recommendations never made sense. No. You can't like suddenly get them to suddenly make sense. Like they didn't make sense ever. I mean, the CDC said, and this is also, I think they fall in the category of people who mean well, but it's like they did say at the beginning, you don't need to mask. And that that really damaged their credibility to a lot of people because there was like three weeks to six weeks where we weren't masking when the disease was like really settling in. And granted, um, not everybody had access to masks, but maybe I don't know if they made the announcement and like by the time thousands were, I don't know. I think that they will do a... A postmortem. Oh, that's not a good choice of words. 
for how they handled this uh this rollout uh maybe it is a good choice maybe it is We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash feverdream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. So today we're also going to recap and discuss yesterday's first hearing of the House Select Committee to investigate the July. January 6th insurrection. It's been a really long road to get here. Of course, originally we hoped the Senate would approve a bipartisan commission to produce a report of a shared set of facts, but Republicans in the Senate filibustered. So here we are in the House. Yesterday, four officers testified about the day they all clearly believed their lives would end when former President Trump sent an angry mob to stop our representatives from verifying the 2020 election. So the purpose of this committee is to find out what was happening at the White House during the hours when the Capitol was beached. And as one officer put it really well, find out like which hitmen sent the killers and how these people that stormed the Capitol were sent and they were out for blood. So who were they? Who did they believe that they were acting for and and why? There are only two Republicans on the committee, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, but neither were appointed by Republicans. Representative Benny Thompson of Mississippi, he opened the hearing by reminding viewers of the unprecedented attack that took place on January 6th. Let's listen. The peaceful transfer of power has stood as the pillar of our democracy. It's one of those things we rely on. 
a safeguard that we hold close. Because as heated and angry and divided as we may be, whatever victories we celebrate or upheavals we endure, we can rest easy knowing that when the moment comes, our system guarantees that one party will hand the rings to another if that's the will of the people. And while our institutions endured, and while Joe Biden is the legitimately elected president of the United States, a peaceful transfer of power didn't happen this year. It did not happen. Let that sink in. Think about it. A violent mob was pointed toward the Capitol and told to win a trial by combat. So notable there is that we did not have a peaceful transition of power. And Sammy, I think you watched a lot of this live yesterday. What what were your takeaways? You were like bugging watching it. Oh, my God. I was <laughs> soothing myself by looking at mansions I'll never be able to afford on Zillow <gasps> while listening in the background. And I'm like sending them to my mom. And they're like, they're like literally like $7 million. And I'm like, she's like, you should... She's like, that's beautiful. You should watch the hearing. I'm like, I am. This is why. This oh, Eileen. I'm like, and I'm like, I'm like, don't you just love the style of this house? Like, like, but while I'm listening to this guy talk about like how he was like tasered multiple times, I'm like, oh, hardwood flooring. At last we said, we have to find ways to self-soothe. But, but like, but honestly, so that was like my experience of watching it like the first time. And then later in the day I watched like the repeat clips and I really watched them and mm. it was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, but now you all know I Zillow surf things <laughs> like literally I'll be looking at like a $40 million ma- mansion in Aspen. Like Who it's never going to happen for me. Zillow okay. Okay. I don't. <laughs> Sammy was trying to tell me, I don't know. I just get too jealous and like, I don't know. It doesn't get, it doesn't do anything for me. But like, once you get to a certain point, it's like, once you are at a certain price point, it's like, this is so impossible and also not even necessary that I don't. Oh, like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like I'm, when I'm looking at like an eight bedroom home, like I will never need that. It's so, out of curiosity. It's not it's, out of aspiration. It's more just like, I want to look at cool houses it feels like like almost like again like a museum like a wing of a museum where they just recreate like french palaces you're like what yeah oh yeah. or sometimes they're even like really modern and cool okay see i'm doing it again my trauma response <laughs> is that i'm obsessing over homes and i'm assuming that this is like me feeling insecure so i'm like focusing on like a home-based thing. So oh, let's go back to the cool. conversation. You know what? Whenever <laughs> I'm stressed, I look at dogs to to adopt. Okay. Because well, I just want something. And I just said I wanted a baby to take care of. So yeah, I got it. I think I'll start with Zillow. Okay. Um, <laughs> but one of the most uh, impactful, I mean, there were only four officers. And as Sammy said, it was even people that keep up with this. Tall. It was really unbelievable to hear what they went through that day. Um, one thing that was notable is that they referred to the people that stormed the Capitol as terrorists the whole time. Um, and I found that really impactful. So Officer Dunn, who is Black, Officer Harry Dunn, he had worked for the Capitol Police for 13 years. He recounted lots of things. They all gave about 15-minute statements, but he recounted how the terrorists hurled racist abuse at him. I can't believe the balls on this guy, but I guess he said the law that the terrorists came in and they were like, nobody voted for Joe Biden, not one person. And to sort of like take the wind out of their sails, he said to them, well, I voted for Joe Biden. 
My God. That's courage. The courage. Yeah. <laughs> the courage. And so um, let's listen to what happened then. I want to note that Officer Dunn quotes the epithets used against him, which are very offensive and very hard to hear. So let's listen. That prompted a torrent of racial epithets. One woman in a pink MAGA shirt yelled, you hear that, guys? This nigger voted for Joe Biden. Then the crowd, perhaps around 20 people, joined in screaming, boo, fucking nigger. No one had ever, ever called me a nigger while wearing the uniform of a Capitol Police officer. In the days following the attempted insurrection, other black officers shared with me their own stories of racial abuse on January 6th. One officer told me he had never, and in his, his entire 40 years of life, been called a nigger to his face, and that streak ended on January 6th. Yet another black officer later told me he had been cr- confronted by insurrectionists in the Capitol who told him, put your gun down and we'll show you what kind of nigger you really are. I sat down on a bench in the rotunda with a friend of mine who was also a black Capitol Police officer and told him about the racial slurs I endured. I became very emotional and began yelling, how the blank could something like this happen? Is this America? I began sobbing. Officers came over to console me. It's really striking to think of like, okay, we watched this happen on TV. We watched it unfold and we knew like, that it was very bad. But I think had we had this like um, very intimate experience with what was actually like happening on the lines of combat. Like, I hate that I have to use that word, but like it is. It is. That's how what they, um, that's how they described it was like a war zone. One of them, Officer Hodges said it was like the, he hadn't even been that scared or maybe go now in Iraq. Right. To- right. So like we weren't able to see that until later. And I think that had we been able to see it, um, maybe things would have been different or like maybe not because nothing works. But um, also what's shocking is that the representatives that night all just like went and like Lindsey Graham was like briefly done. And that was like, he's like, I'm done. But like that, like that was your reaction to what these officers are describing like you seem fine with it um right that's like what a real housewife does after a fight like i'm done with this i'm done i'm leaving it seemed like very like their reactions immediately after and i guess it took aoc like a week to come on and talk about it but like the way that they just sort of like went on gave the impression that it wasn't as like serious as it was but good for them for doing that i guess because none of them had any choice i guess well, they maybe they were like scared into doing it. Like, mm-hmm. oh, we almost lost our government. We need to make sure this happens like immediately. Well, and I think that they said, I mean, the margins in the House are so small that it's like they didn't have to kill that many people to like completely change government. Yeah. One officer or did say that. Tellingly, the, a huge chunk of people after this completely insane, traumatic, violent event went in and agreed with the aims of the terrorists like they voted to do what the terrorists wanted that 
is the more just the most disturbing detail out of that day to me is not just the normalization that many Republicans kind of took where they were like, well, this is very unfortunate. And they made it seem like they weren't almost in mortal danger. But the the active like, well, you know, terrorists are people who commit violent acts uh, for political goals. And they I mean, that's the technical definition um, and are not backed by state governments. Um, (laughs) To be specific, and uh, these people more or less got the state on their side. So that's why I guess they don't think of themselves as terrorists. It's like if you're a political party that's willing to commit violence in order to achieve your goals, are you? terrorists or is that just how your party functions now the latter (sighs) absolutely yeah i feel the same way you do sammy where i i can't help but think had we known the extent of it on the day because people weren't paying attention yesterday like they were on that day um i think that democrats will probably use what these officers said in campaign ads and i think they should but like had we known like one of the officers, Officer Hodges, said that they were trying to gouge his eyes out. They were trying to gouge his eyes out. And then the senators did what did what they, they wanted. They did exactly what those people came for. Those people think it was like a success. Like they probably knew they weren't going to get all the people to do it even if they couldn't overthrow the government themselves. So speaking, yeah, there were like tourists and then there were like the militias. Now, when I say Taurus, I don't want to use that word. I want to say like uh, the people that like Rep Clyde. So there's this guy yesterday. Rep Andrew Clyde of Georgia was asked, do you want to stand by when you said it was a normal tourist visit? And he said yes, because he's like, you saw the images of just some people that are uh, Senator Ron, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin has falsely claimed that they were within the ropes. Trump says nobody had guns and it was a love fest because they're pointing to like, sure, maybe there were like. A couple of people. They did have guns. All of this is wrong. I even like struggle with how much of it to say on the podcast, but it's very frustrating. Yes, that when people were paying attention, all these things weren't known because now it to people who don't pay attention, which is most people, and I don't blame them because it again, we were just talking about how like much of a tax, like how taxing it is mentally. People don't want, they're like, this is painful. I don't want to engage in this. I feel helpless. And there's too many other problems. And um, then the other side is people who are like, yeah, this was right. Like, let's try to do it again. So it's just a really bad storm of circumstances. Yeah, Caitlin, I know that you're hard to surprise in terms of how terrible Republicans can be. But was there anything that you heard yesterday that like made you think, wow, after hearing that, I am still I actually am surprised that they they have continued to deny what happened. No, no. Yeah. Um, I mean, for that, I, w- I want to be clear. Uh, there's a, first of all, there's like a certain amount of fatalism that comes with, with, you know, being black. But the other part is like, this is the history of the country I was raised in. Like I watched eyes on my parents gave me eyes on the prize at three. That was, it was on television when I was three and then they just didn't turn the television off and let me continue asking questions, lynchings, violence. Like this is my childhood. My dad was eight. No, he was about to turn eight when Martin Luther King was shot in the head. Like this 
is that that's what was given to me. So I've never been surprised by the level of violence because I've my people have been on the receiving end of this the entire time. And that's been what that to me, that's just what the world was. The world was those people cannot be trusted. They will try to kill you. I remember watching a video about white supremacists the day I came back from my first tour for my scholarship uh, to some fancy school. And I didn't end up going to that school, but I mean, it's like $35,000 a year, some crazy shit like that. And I was going to go on scholarship and I came back dressed to the nines and I turned on the television because the first time I had an afternoon free in forever. And there was some show about white supremacists. And I was like, those people hate me and they don't know me. They want me dead. They don't know me. I was 12. That was just the, the reality of life. So for me, when I saw January 6th, I reacted with, I had a PTSD response. I had a, this is the violence I was warned about. This is the violence I've always experienced. This is where my family like this is to me, I was living in the aftermath of a lynching and it took me two to three weeks to work my way out of the PTSD response and get back into a space where I could even be functional. Right. So, yeah, I understand how you guys feel because that the, that response that you guys have, that was the one that I had yeah. in the immediate aftermath. And so there's no there's no surprises out of the the uh, situation because I didn't think it was obscured but it's just because that level of violence has just always been as part of my understanding of the american political system and so it wasn't an aberration Mm -hmm. um but more of like a a nexus yeah like sam and i were surprised to see yesterday just how bad things were because it seemed inconsistent with something to us whereas for you it the only consistent thing with everything you would have seen before is what we learned happened yesterday like there was a fucking gallows i mean Right. It seemed inconsistent with, I guess, what they showed like at noon that day, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Same. And I did like a Instagram live. We were like, no, isn't no, this no. nuts? <laughs> oh, oh, you mean later no, in I the mean day before. yesterday? Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Like right as it was like, you know, right. 2 p.m. or whatever. Yeah. Like it's really fucking. I remember us being yeah. on air. Actually. We were on air. <laughs> we were on yeah. air talking about something else. <laughs> Totally different. We were talking about Georgia. We were talking about Georgia. Well, we were yeah. talking about like how to warn people about what, because people were really scared about, remember? People were really scared about January 6th. And we were trying to, we felt like it was our job to reassure them. Uh-huh. And then. <laughs> okay, there was an attempted coup. Yeah. Like, what the actual fuck? Like, and they wanted to overthrow the government. The key <laughs> to January 6th, the thing that I think we should get out of yesterday that is a bit revelatory is that it almost works and it's still being done. The coup is not over. It's simply not a viol- represented by a violent mob, but the violent mob's representatives are present and doing the work that is being asked for by that mob. That that they are when when Ron Johnson says that, you know, rioters, they weren't rioters, that they were just normal people like that's them doing the political work of keeping them from being accountable, from having us come down on this and treat it like an insurrection from having everybody who has now accommodated it, supported it, given uh, sugar and and uh, uh, support all of these things, you know, 
are 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 aiding and abetting you know the right. actual violent insurrection and setting up for another as soon as they think they can get away with it you know okay one one completely and they will try again but one thing that i do think it has maybe shifted for i'll say for me but maybe amanda you too is that i when i think about my identity as an american that identity is not the same. It's not. I actually was like, thinking yesterday when I saw the surfer win and I just saw, and she was carrying the, I was like, I, I couldn't, I don't want that flag near me after seeing everything right. we saw like yesterday. That, like that piece of like, when I, when I say or think I'm an American, that what that means in my head has changed for the worse. Me too. So, yeah. yeah. Well, Caitlin will ease us in. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Greater <laughs> Patreon, join the club. I'm an anti-American. <laughs> no, it's, it, is, yeah. it is a very difficult set of feelings to have. At the same time, there are Americans who we can be proud of who have been pushing back this right. entire time. Absolutely. And, and that's where you get the investment, which is the other story, because there are two Americas. That one had its representation was fighting against the one that we belong to. And that's, that's where the strength comes from. And that's where the diligence comes from. That's where the pride comes from. It's when you see the best gymnast in the world, you know, have a mistake and then decide that the best thing that she can do is make the sacrifice of her own pursuit and goals for the sake of the whole. Yeah. E pluribus unum is the best thing that we have going for us. And if we invest in that and we push back against the, the more violent, the, the autocratic <laughs> authoritarian version of this country that rests on white supremacy, if we don't internalize that and say, no, that's not what our country is. Our country is the, the people who, you know, fought for the uh, reconstruction amendments. These are the people who, you know, went and helped support uh, free black people after the civil war. These are the people who, when they poured into cities, like built communities with each other to keep each other safe and invested in making our country better and, and dreaming of what it could be possible. It's for the people who've protested pipelines. It is, that is, that is the same country and it has the same value and we can't let the people who run around with Confederate flags define that as our country. They betrayed it and we are the country. And that's just the truth. It's like, we have democratic majorities. We have a country where our rights and theory are secured. We need to fight for that and to remind them that they are angry because they are losing power. And it's our job to assert ours, you know, and be proud of, of when the American flag meant something positive, because I gotta tell you, for people who were liberated from Manila, from people who were liberated in Nazi Germany, the, that flag meant something amazing. So we need to embody that America. That's a beautiful note to end on. <laughs> yeah. I, I will actually recommend um, our afternoon tea conversation with um, John King, who oh, was yeah. Obama's secretary of education. He's now running for governor of Maryland. He really tells story, like a story in particular that really embodies everything that you just said. So 
I highly recommend listening to him. He's really was wonderful. Yeah, I can't wait for that. That's our show. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Better Sub Podcast. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to suppod at betches.com. Betches.